When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. Welcome to a new week and a new edition of Houston Sports Weekly, our weekly podcast here on KPRC 2, 2 Plus, and Click2Houston.com. We join you each and every Friday, and of course, it lives on our sites for you to listen to or watch as well. I'm a Sports Director Randy McAvoy, alongside sports anchor reporter Ari Alexander. We thought we'd catch up a little bit uh, on this week's edition of the podcast. A little bit later, seg- uh, second segment, we're going to have a conversation with U of H head coach uh, Kelvin Sampson. But um, this first segment, Ari, what do you say we kind of catch everybody up and maybe weigh in on what's happening with the Astros and uh, Caravan, but mainly the Texans and this coaching search that's getting a lot of attention. People are following it. It seems like every day it's almost like what the, the Texans watch, the update every day on where things stand. And as we tape this, they've interviewed six people. Now, by the time this drops, hopefully they would have interviewed D'Amico Ryans, which all, indicator, all indicators are Thursday or Friday that would have happened in San Francisco. Yeah, and right now we're, it's a lot of these Zoom interviews, and so I'm sort of waiting until we get into the – the real deal these guys meeting in person and seeing yeah. what the finalists are like it's good to see that their list of names is a little bit more grown up list of names than it was last year like Heinz Ward and they're giving <laughs> some of these guys shots that have never been coaches or had like one yeah. year as a AAF or XFL or whatever and it's enough it's enough right. of that or, or Josh McCown or any and the good thing is that the names that they're interviewing are guys that other teams want they're candidates that are generally deemed to be hot candidates within the football atmosphere. And right. it's no one confusing, right? The Texans don't put out a tweet that says, hey, we are planning to interview this guy on Thursday. And everyone goes, why? Who? Who is that? <laughs> and so it's nice to see that it's at least like a competent group of people. Yeah, I mean, you look at the list now, um, as of uh, Tuesday, uh, ben Johnson made the announcement. He had been interviewed, and I guess a couple other teams were kind of looking at him. If you're not familiar with Ben Johnson, offensive coordinator, kind of a rising star in NFL circles with the Detroit Lions. Uh, now, whether it's him and his agent thinking it wasn't going to work out anyway, for whatever reason, he informed the Texans and anybody else that he had been talking to that he's going to be out of the process. He's staying put. You shocked by that, or you think at this point he probably knows it wasn't going to happen at least this year for this cycle? I mean, he was probably my favorite of the candidates just because yeah. the reason, and I don't know, I say I can't like I don't know a whole lot about him other than he is the Lions OC and the Lions offense mm-hmm. from being borderline unwatchable to like the most fun offensive. Yeah, he did a great team. job of them, and he got some guys that were not super high picks or some, <clears> some people that people had maybe given up on, right? Like Jared Goff was a guy that got traded for Matthew Stafford. It really worked out for the Rams originally. They won the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. and people had given up on Jared Goff, and then he had this great year this year. And I think he was a fourth-round pick in Amon Ross St. Brown, the receiver out of USC. He was always, you know, a five-star talent. Yeah. And he was one of the best receivers in the NFL. Amon Ross St. Brown was awesome this year, and I think some of that is the way that they used him on offense. And so I was impressed taking a team like the Detroit Lions that had struggled for so long and were – 
struggling in a very uninteresting way and making them a really fun team to watch. And so that's why I liked Ben Johnson. I don't really have a whole lot beyond that. <laughs> Uh, personality or anything like that, I, I, but I thought the Lions were fun to watch. Yeah, everything I read, it was like, man, this guy is kind of a, has that leader type mentality, a really good mind when it comes to offense. Uh, but, you know, you, a lot of people have been talking on Sports Talk Radio. We've been talking about on Sports Sunday. You look at this, the early list that was developed by uh, Nick Casario, and I'm sure Kyle McNair and company were involved as well. Uh, a lot of defensive-minded guys. You had Sean Payton on it as well. Ben Johnson, one of those guys. It's what, what kind of coach do they need? And do, and maybe that's why you're intrigued by Ben Johnson maybe because of the offensive side. Do you think that has to be the priority? Or for the most part, I think offensive coaches have done well in recent years. Sean McVay is an offensive coach. The Rams just won the Super Bowl. Andy Reid is an offensive coach. He just took you know. Patrick Mahomes, the Kansas City Chiefs are contenders every year. Mm -hmm. I think that the one thing that worries me about the Texans going all in on these defensive guys, I know that David Culley was an offensive coach, but he was also like never a coordinator. So that's, you know, like the less said about David right. Culley, the better. Lovey is a defensive coach. He's a defensive coordinator who became a head coach. And I think Nick Casario and just the whole mentality of the Texans for a long, long time has been this Patriot South thing. And because Bill Belichick is a defensive coach, mm -hmm. it feels like, a lot of these teams, the Texans specifically, think, well, the way to build a team is to have this strong defense and special teams and do all the things right and, and you know, kind of like Belichick. But the problem with looking at guys comparing someone to Bill Belichick is that they're not Bill Belichick. Mm -hmm. Every All these Bill Belichick assistants have been horrible head coaches because they're not him. He's a really specific guy. And it's the same thing. Right. Almost it's like basketball comparisons. I remember when I was covering the Grizzlies, and they would draft based on comps. And they would draft people like Jordan Adams out of UCLA. That was their first uh, first round draft pick late in the draft. And they're like, oh, well, the numbers compare to James Harden. St gets a lot of steals, has a nice assist percentage. It looks like James Harden. Well, James Harden's James Harden for a reason, and Jordan Adams isn't James Harden. And then the next year they drafted a uh, kid from LSU. I don't even remember his name, but the comp was Draymond Green. Like, oh, he's a good passer for being a six-seven combo forward, and he was like out of the league in two years because Draymond Green's Draymond Green, and this right. guy's not Draymond Green. So that's the thing that scares me. Stop trying to have the next Belichick because there is no Belichick. Right? Yeah, there's just you may never see one again. To be honest with you, I, I, right now, and let's focus on on Sean Payton now because that's getting a lot of attention again. As we record and tape this podcast, he's one of the candidates. We don't know if things are going to develop or not, but just what he would bring to the table and what you got to give up to get him. Are you, where do you stand on what it would take to get Peyton? We know it's going to be a draft pick, maybe one of these first rounders. Um, it's going to cost you something to, to land him. Are you okay giving up a draft pick to get him, or is do you scratch him off the list because of that? I think you can get creative with the draft pick that you give up because what he he was on Colin Coward's show this week and he said it, it's going to take a mid to late <clears> first round pick to get me. Well, the Texans don't have a mid to late first round pick; they have a the number two pick and a twelve and a relatively early. Yeah, but you can tr flip that twelve back for a couple of things, right? You could trade back from twelve to twenty one or whatever, mm -hmm. and then get something else in another second or a third or whatever. Right. And then trade that 21st. And then you have, you get extra picks for Sean Payton. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a way to get creative about it. So I don't, I'm not necessarily worried about that because I really, everyone's saying, oh, the Texans have all these holes and they need to use all these picks to fill the roster. They're not that far off. <laughs> they just aren't. I, I know they have a lot of issues, but I don't think that they're so far off where you have to like hoard this number twelve pick like a dragon on gold. Like yeah. obviously you can't trade the two. You need the quarterback. Gotta hold on to that one. But past yeah. that, 
Jalen Petrie was a second round pick. He's really good. Mm-hmm. He's going to be a starter for the next however many years for the Texans if you know if they want to extend him right. fifth year. And, and he's a second round pick playing like a first round pick. So who's to say that your draft pick and look at Kenyon Green was a first round pick and he struggled? I know he might still be good later on, but who's to say that your 18th pick that whatever let's say you trade back and how it is going to be better than who you pick at 33 or 39 or whatever? Yeah, you have no idea. It's a crapshoot. I think that well, Sean Payton could be worth it. Yeah, I mean, if he comes in, the next question is, what does that mean for for Casario? I would think. I mean, I don't think Casario would just say, okay, I'll take this other job within the organization. I mean, I think he'd be out as GM based on Peyton's history. I don't think Peyton all of a sudden is going to say, okay, I'm not going to be really a power guy here. We'll we'll share the load here. That's just not his nature. I think he wants – if he's going to be a head coach, he wants his hands on everything uh, that goes with that and and handles that responsibility. So I think Casario would be gone. So if you're in Casario's seat right now, I know he said the other day – Remember in his news conference, yeah. uh, if somebody comes in, I don't fuck I'm a fit. I'll st- you know, I got to accept that. I don't know. I'm not sure how he feels about that. I also think that if Nick is, if that were to happen and Sean Payton comes in and Nick Casario gets pushed out, he probably has a soft landing spot in New England, which feels like it happens to every guy that fails elsewhere for them. Look at Matt Patricia. Right. Was right. a horrible head coach, and he's randomly—he's a defensive guy too. Right, randomly calling the offense now mm-hmm. for the Patriots, and then Joe Judge was their special teams coordinator. Him, the Giants head coach, was an awful head coach, and then comes back and is now like the co-OC or doing whatever it is Belichick wants him to do. Yeah, I think there's a soft landing spot for Casario. Mm-hmm. So if you're Nick Casario, you know, yeah, you're gonna have to take the licks and the fact that you failed as the your first time as the GM. I really, he's going to have a job though if, if he gets pushed out. I wouldn't yeah. be that worried if I were him. Yeah, we'll see. If I, all indications are we hear a lot from Aaron Wilson, our Texans insider, that it could take another couple more weeks before we really know yeah. what, how this thing's going to play out because playoffs are still going on. We don't know exactly how they feel about other candidates. Uh, D'Amico Ryan's is a guy you're hearing a lot of, uh, but they'll speak and then you know Niners play the Cowboys uh, coming up this weekend so uh, before we go to break because uh, we got a kind of an extended interview with Kelvin Sampson in segment two but just a quick take on on the Astros caravan getting away I know you're off but they had the big caravan stop earlier in the week uh, at the Woodlands on Tuesday night yeah, your guy Jeremy Pena back in town looking like he's been working out in the offseason I think he's fired up um Good to see him back, and you kind of got a sense just from the turnout in the Woodlands just how popular this guy is now. Yeah, I mean, it's he's he's been on top of the world since uh, since the World Series, and and I think that MLB is starting to build a little bit of marketing, not just here at Houston, a little bit of marketing around the league, around him, and around all these young players. There's a lot of really exciting rookies in baseball, mm-hmm. and Jeremy worked his way in there because there's a lot of marketing around Julio Rodriguez, and then Adley Rutschman. And the Orioles didn't make the playoffs. The yep. Mariners did, and they were kind of the team of destiny, and the Astros <clears throat> were the ones to beat them. Mm-hmm. And then Jeremy gets CS MVP, World Series MVP. He obviously does well in marketing, and he he's always going to do the work. He's out in Florida this offseason at Cressy Sports Performance, which is a place that has offices in Boston and in Florida. He was at Boston location for a long time. Now he's at the one in Florida, and he also stops by the Astros facility quite a bit. Yeah. He's going to do his work. He knows what oh, yeah. he needs to do. Uh, you know who's been carrying this caravan, though, is David Hensley. He's, like, all over the He's place. Every, every stop. St- every stop from Whataburger, Chick-fil-A, to Wyoming Donald House, everything. And I talked yeah. to him today, and I told him that. Like, man, they're uh, working you overtime. And it's like, yeah, it's 11 to 7. It's like a full-time job. He's got, he gets up in the morning, yeah. goes to hit at the facility a little bit. He uh, trains a few times a week with Alex Bregman, and we talked a little bit about that. Yeah, about that's cool. Learning 
how intentional you need to be with the specific things you need to work on. Because yeah. he's coming up through the minors, there's no one like Alex Bregman to teach him of like, hey, this is how specific right. you need to work at. So that's, he's been that's, huge, that's huge for him. And he, with Ledmus Diaz gone, David Hensley's a guy that's got a very and legitimate no shot. Diaz right. Other than Hensley. He's going into camp uh, with a job. And you know Dusty Baker likes him too. I think there's a good chance he sticks. And is that guy can fill that role. Plays four positions, yep. can play a little bit of left field, hit really well toward the end of the year. Yep. He's clearly worked hard this offseason. I don't see any reason why he wouldn't take that Diaz role. All right, we're going to take a break here on Houston Sports Weekly. Good uh, conversation on the Texans, a little bit on the Astros as well. On the other side, uh, an extended conversation. I had a chance to spend a few minutes with U of H head coach Kelvin Sampson, the Cougs number one in the country, uh, back at, uh, in action on Sunday at home against uh, Temple, I believe, there for Tita Center. So the conversation with Kelvin Sampson straight ahead here on Houston Sports Weekly. We'll be right back. All right, we're back on Houston Sports Weekly. Great conversation there in that uh, first segment on the uh, Texans coaching search. We'll see how that uh, plays out here in the weeks ahead. Randy McAvoy, Ari Alexander with you. Uh, got a conversation with Kelvin Sampson. This team with U of H has been fun to watch. Final Four had their tip-off event this uh, week as well. It's all going to – the landing spot's going to be here in Houston. Could U of H be here? It's going to be exciting. They've got the team that can make it. Yeah, they do. They're, they're really talented. The only thing that's hurting them, that stops them – is when they don't make shots. And there's never really a good reason for it. Yeah. The good thing about U of H is even when they don't make shots, they can win games because they do everything else right. They rebound, they play defense, mm-hmm. they dive for loose balls. Kelvin Sampson is such a good coach that he has them doing all the right things. And so really the only thing is just sometimes you don't hit them in basketball. Right. But I think when they do hit shots, there's very few teams in the country that can beat them. All right. I had a chance to spend some time with Kelvin Sampson on a Wednesday morning at, at his office. Actually, in the film room there, uh, just adjacent to his office there inside Fertitta Center. Good conversation. We're going to play some of that right now. All right. Here inside the Houston Cougars film room with uh, head coach uh, Kelvin Sampson. Good to see you, Kelvin. Good to see you, Randy. The season is going great, and mm-hmm. it's been fun to watch this team develop. And you take it team by team, mm-hmm. and it's loaded with, with talent. But mm-hmm. you like to craft that, that particular year's yeah. group. Mm-hmm. And instill in them what you what you need, and it seems the pieces seem to be coming together really nice. Yeah, it's, not, it's always a um, challenge because the last five years, you know, you go back and look at each team. Um, um, it's a different entity mm-hmm. in, in a lot of ways, but you know, we, we've had a lot of experience um, uh, with these five years or six years. I, we've lost four starters every year. You know, and I, I can go back and name every starter. So now we're having to replace those guys. So player, player development's important, but also little things like uh, getting uh, Emmanuel Sharp minutes as we can this year, Terrence Arsenault, uh, uh, Javier Francis. Yeah. So none of those guys start this year, but they may start next year. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're replacing starters with guys that's getting minutes. Now we'll have some incoming guys that may start, who knows? Um, then we have some, some guys that uh, um, we don't even know. They're not on the team. But, you know, last year um, I was talking to some reporters in New Orleans um, yesterday. You know, when we played there last year, the guys that really played well was uh, Kyler Edwards, mm-hmm. Tajay Moore, um, um, Fabian, and Josh Carlton. All those guys are gone. So this year it's it's uh, Jamal who started last year, but Marcus 
Tremont, um, Jairus Walker and J1 Roberts. Here comes JVA Francis, here comes Emmanuel, here comes Terrence. And new pieces. Yeah. Just new pieces, but every, yeah. every year, you know, you're just trying to get them to fit. But, um, you know, we, we adjust to our teams. Now, the things that, mm-hmm. that's not negotiable or even, even up for discussion is, is how we do things, our discipline. Um, and those are the things that separate programs over the course of a year is um, what is your program built from? You have a culture, mm-hmm. you know. Um, people that make fun of culture don't understand how important it is. You know, it's extremely important. Being on time is important, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, it's a founda- one of the foundations yeah, of the program. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, effort and attitude. Yeah. You know, I still get, I'll get random texts from all over the world. Chris Harris, uh, Rob Gray, uh, Damian Dotson, Justin Gorham, Bryson Gresham, Dejan Quentin. Mm-hmm. Uh, Armani, you know, they'll, they'll text me or I'll text them and, and it's somewhere in the conversation, either early or late, it's, they, they always end it with attitude and effort coach. So mm. that, those are things that they, they took from here that helped them be successful. And I share that with these kids. That make you feel good when you see it? Yeah, it does. Um, but you know, we've been doing this for so long, yeah. you know, we've been at uh, different schools, but we've always taken our culture with us. When you mm-hmm. say, what is what has allowed you to succeed at, at different stops is that. Okay. But, there's no, but it, it also goes into the type of kids you recruit. You know, we recruit kids that, are, um, that will fit. Mm-hmm. That's, why, that's why you rarely ever see, I think we've had one kid in nine years in our top 10 transfer, whereas some schools average three or four a year. Right. So we recruit the right kind of kids and they buy in and I have a tremendous staff. And on a follow-up to that, and you've addressed it before, when, the, when these kids come into this program, you got to make it clear what the expectations are. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing they don't know already coming in. Mm-hmm. They've got to embrace their role at this particular yeah. their, their role may be different next year, as you mentioned. They may yeah. be a starter next year, but mm-hmm. on this team, they've got to know, okay, this is my role on this team. Well, you know, we've been good for a long time. Uh, different levels of good, obviously, but we've been ranked for for five years, six years, whatever it is. Uh, so they know what they're getting into. Mm-hmm. You know, guys. Uh, you know, our success and our name has helped us tremendously in um, getting involved with with different levels of kids. Now, once we offer a kid and we get involved with them, a lot of times we'll back out and say, "Yeah, probably not the right fit." Right. Good player, and people may say. Well, it's too bad we lost that kid, or why didn't, why didn't we get this kid? Well, there's a reason why for us. You know, uh, Jairus Walker uh, took some, uh, a bunch of visits. Uh, Terrence Arsenault took visits. Emmanuel Sharp. All our guys look at other schools. But they always come back to here because their goal is to, they all want to play professional basketball. Mm-hmm. And then when you have a track record of putting guys, uh, whether it's in the NBA or high-paying jobs overseas, um, they see that as an opportunity for them to get to reach their goals and dreams. You seeing everything uh, play out as you thought the day you took the job back in 2014. Back then, when I recall, I don't know your exact words, but you felt you could get University Houston to where it is today. And yeah. you needed facilities, you needed all the upgrades. Mm-hmm. You got that commitment now. Mm-hmm. And now you're starting to see a lot of that payoff, aren't you? Well, one of the things that, um, and some administrators don't even understand this. Because you have great facilities doesn't mean you're going to win. There's a lot better coaches than I am that have far better facilities that, that we have to get fired because they don't win. Mm-hmm. 
know, facilities don't win games. Uh, coaches and players uh, win games. What facilities does is give you, it sends a message that it's important. You know, for the coaches that preceded me, um, basketball wasn't important here. Um, they didn't get any help from the administration. Mm -hmm. they, they didn't. So well, why, why didn't they have a facility? You know, I, I remember 14, 15, 15, 16, uh, when we got here, I couldn't for the life of me uh, figure out how uh, James Dickey and those guys that recruited. Because mm -hmm. you're not going to show them high fines and you're, you're off. You take them. Yeah, you're, you don't have a practice facility. So yeah. you're basically um, saying we're a middle, middle to bottom of the pack Conference USA school, mm -hmm. which is what we were when we got here. Now, you had a random good player here or there, mm -hmm. but you couldn't get past first base because of the facilities. Right. Um, but, but, um, and I give uh, so much credit to Mac Rose and Hunter Yurchek because those were the guys that got this thing going. They broke ground. They, they helped us put this building uh, in place. Um, uh, and President Couture signed off on it. But the main guy was Tillman. Tillman doesn't give $20 million and put his name on the Petito Center. That thing doesn't get built. Mm -hmm. And behind the scenes, you know, we were, you know, uh, we were kind of like uh, uh, dog's paws under the water. You know, we were working our butt off uh, coaching the team, but I spent more time trying to... Um, get attitudes changed and get people to support the basketball program. But I think everybody was so football oriented, they didn't understand that basketball could win here. Mm -hmm. You know, because they, they never seen it win. Uh, and the, the support wasn't at the level uh, that I thought that we could win with. Um, but I think the more we've won, the more people's jumped on board. And I'm appreciative of that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's uh, you know, winning, winning, I've, I found this out. Uh, Winning has uh, many fathers. Losing is an orphan. Mm. You know, so the more we've won, the more people jumped in and, and wanted to be part of it. And I said, come on, the more the merrier. You ever thought about writing a book? You've got a lot of good analogies. That you uh, of course, you? Well, <laughs> well I, I do know this, is that uh, it's hard to win a game. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's, it, it's hard to win in college basketball. You know, I saw where just last Saturday, 11 teams uh, that were ranked got beat. So every time, you, every time you step on the court, there's an understanding if you don't do things right uh, that you can lose. But um, we've, we've had an expectation. You know, when you start with a team, Randy, they, they always have a hope. Yeah. They hope they can win, and then they start doing pretty good, and they, say, they think they can win. Then ultimately, you want to get to the point where you know you can win, right. no matter where you go. Uh, you know, this current team, wherever we go, uh, it's going to be that, that school's Biggest turnout of the year. Last night it's like you got it too late. Yeah, that awesome atmosphere last night. That place was rocking in there. But you know, here was our game plan. Here was our preparation. Um, our kids knew how we wanted to do X, Y, and Z, um, and we went on the road and got the job done. Just just like we did at Virginia, at Oregon, at Cincinnati, yep. Tulane. So, uh, but we know we can lose those games. But our, our kids are fighters and they're, they're, they're competitors and they want to win. All right, great chat uh, with U of H head coach Kelvin Sampson. A lot of basketball left. He's not looking ahead really about the tournament or Final Four. As he pointed out, he said, it's just who's our next game? we got to prepare for our next game. When that one's done, you get ready for the next one. I like that approach. He doesn't get ahead of himself. Yeah, but I think fans can. 
Oh, absolutely. We've had a blast doing that. I think that they can. We're really looking at seedings and locations and everything. Go undefeated in conference play. They're oh, I think so, too. not a single team that I've seen in the AAC that can beat them. I know uh, early, I thought maybe Memphis, but I, I mean, Memphis is good, but I don't think nobody's going to absolutely think anybody's going to beat these guys. talent. I, I really wanted Penny Hardaway to do well there because I, I like him and know him yeah. back from my Memphis days, but he just hasn't as much. Yeah. Seems like he's, they've always had U of H's number, though. So that's why I think it might be. When they go to Memphis, we'll be, I'll be interested to see how that it's one plays FedEx out. Forum's a tough place to play, yeah. but I think from a coaching standpoint, there are very few coaches that can out-coach Kelvin. Yeah. All right, Temple at Fertitta Center coming up on Sunday. Go out and support them. I think it's a 2 o'clock tip-off on a Sunday afternoon. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Houston Sports Weekly. Thanks for hanging out with us for the last 30 minutes. Again, uh, every week here on ClickToHouston.com and KPRC2+. Uh, join myself, Ari, Chancellor Johnson's in the mix as well. We kind of mix it up. Have good conversations about the hot topics on the Houston sports scene. So that'll do it for now. Have a great rest of your week, and we'll do it again next week right here on Houston Sports Weekly.